Hi, I'm Liam, the Project Director of the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Initiative led by the marketing society Think Equal. Think Equal will initially focus on accelerating gender equality across the Marcoms industry. The initiative aims to help progress the careers of mid and senior management women, helping to accelerate their careers to take more leadership positions, leading brands, agencies and media owners in the UAE and the wider region. Through training, events, mentoring, policy changes, content and much more, we aim to provide tangible activity that will make an impact and a difference now. We'll also be collaborating with other membership groups, event organisers and media to ensure more equal visibility and opportunity to be provided. This episode will be slightly different and will explore the impact of women's health and our career progression. Women's corporate performance is linked to our health. However, the career progression is often accompanied by a violent health turmoil for women. When women are supposed to be at their most productive and at the top of our careers in global boardrooms, nature wrecks havoc with their performance. This podcast will share some actionable takeaways that both genders can implement. I'm delighted to be joined by Christina Edenosis, an award-winning communications consultant, motivational speaker, MC, trainer, author, and health coach. She is recognized as a leading engagement and transformation coach and has worked with professionals and athletes since 2007. This includes working with the only woman in the GCC to achieve the peak to peak and climb Mount Everest within 24 hours. She has developed her expertise, having herself navigated life's multiple upheavals as a premenopausal chronic illness sufferer and breadwinner slash carer. She has been invited to sit on the board of advisors for Noon, the UK's leading portal for midlife women, where she is the portal's menopausal diaries contributor. She's also the brainchild for the first women's health festival held in Abu Dhabi in March in 2023. Christina. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you. So before we dive in, I know this is a really interesting topic for, for everybody, but before we get started, I try to, to get to, to know our guests a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions. There is a twist. If you can, if you can answer them in one sentence, well, as close to one sentence as possible, that would be great. Can you describe your career journey into leadership for us, please? Three words, unexpected, adventurous, worldly. Wow, I'm giving you a gold star. You've been my first guest to do that so quickly. And what do you think the biggest action that we can take as women is to climb the career ladder? Follow their hearts and their instincts. Follow your heart. And that's so important to follow to follow that, that heart and that gut feeling. And you talk about instincts there. And we've spoke before about actually being able to take control of those instincts and, and go in with that gut feeling. Because nine times out of ten, it's, it's mm. the wrong feeling if you don't have it in your gut, right? Absolutely. Well, when I one of my books, which was the first book I ever wrote, was about um, how women are not moving into leadership positions due to uh, various challenges. The book is called Your Loss, How to Win Back Your Female Talent. And when we did the research for it, 
um, we actually identified that the reason why women were leaving corporations right in that kind of midlife, not midlife, sorry, mid-career point, was the fact that they felt that their values were not being represented by corporations. So this is why we're very big, and I'm very big, and I've always been very big about women making sure that if that is something, if, if something that is in their heart is not being pursued by the corporation they're in, the culture doesn't sit with them, then yes, make a make a new start or shift somewhere else where it does. That's great that you're talking about values because I also think that that's something that females, but both genders, they don't do the task about what are my values until mm. a much later stage in their self-development journey or in their careers. And when you do identify those values, you're so much more aligned to relationships, friendships, social circles, work, um, and you become, oh, I've certainly become a much happier person by understanding what my values are and what clients I want to work with. You know, Are we aligned on those values? I know my friendships are much better. My relationships are much better purely because I can see the alignment with the values. Mm -hmm. And there's so much of a disconnect when we're not familiar with with those values so I just I think it's fascinating that you've brought that to the table already um on this podcast <laughs> well they are they are and do you know what research has proven that like you said both genders the older we get and honey I've just turned the big five zero. um the older we get the more aligned we want to be with our values and that's where the, the purpose-driven side of leadership comes in so I know we can talk for hours on that topic but it is something that is actually very very topical because it's one of the new things in terms of the research that's um that's kind of coming out in terms of purpose-driven leadership. Purpose-driven with everything at the moment. Their leadership, their, what, what you buy, what you consume, who you market Absolutely. to, everything is about purpose-driven and it's so, and it, and it is important to everyone in our, in our daily lives. But I feel like we're diversifying already because the yeah. idea of this podcast is really to talk <laughs> about women's, women's health and I feel like I could open a can of worms with you in so many different directions. So perhaps we'll do... Uh, we'll do do podcast number two on purpose-driven leadership. Um, but to, to bring the focus back, so we're here to talk about females in, in their career, but specifically around female health. So, yeah, how do women's bodies change over the time of, of their careers? And are we aware of that as, as that change mm. is happening? I'll start with the second question. Are we aware of the changes? No. So, and that's why I keep referring back to my wildos, wild wild my uh old age but wise old age is the word i'm looking for uh because i have hit the big 50 without any idea until 3 years ago that i was going through serious health issues and health transformations that were impacting my productivity and performance and so when we're talking about why we're doing this it's and why we're having this conversation is very much about managing performance and managing our productivity so what happens is your first question um women have i mean we're recognized i mean let's not go down the conversations around what is a woman okay but here <laughs> let's focus the conversation on the gender that has the uh, ability to procreate which is the woman with a biological um reproductive systems so this is the kind of this is the definition that we're using here okay these women 
have a cycle, we have ovaries. And so what tends to happen as we progress through our career, even from a very young age, and we're seeing a lot of shifts in this, we go through being absolutely fine. Uh, you know, in the 20s, 20 or 30s, we're supposed to be at a, at a prime of our ability to procreate, which is what we're designed for as a gender. Pardon me for, for being very basic on this. And then in the mid 30s, our hormones start shifting. And what tends to happen is most people say, oh, it's because of motherhood, etc. And this is irrespective of whether you've had children or not. Okay, so I don't want to go down the conversation quite yet. But irrespective of gender, when people say to you, your clock is ticking, it means essentially that your ovaries are essentially dying. So I had no idea when people were saying to me, oh, my clock is ticking. I had no idea what that meant. I just went along in life. And when this happens to you as a woman, you tend to start producing less estrogen. Okay, so it's a hormonal imbalance that starts kind of uh, prearing its unfortunate head as you get older with time. And then that also impacts the other hormone, which is progesterone and as well testosterone. So what tends to happen is for us women, you can, if you can imagine a visual, because it's very difficult to describe this in another way, is us women, we're going perfectly up. If you imagine kind of a, a positive axis, a diagonally, everything is great. And then we hit a point where our hormones start kind of going ebbing and flowing and up and down, up and down, up and down. That's the best way to kind of visually describe it. And we don't know when that point's going to hit, but we do know that there are a lot of symptoms that are associated with, with these um, hormonal imbalances that then also affect our productivity. So it, it can happen when you're mid-30s. It can happen later. So it, for some women, they don't even realize this is happening to them, and, and they're the lucky few. The majority of us tend to somehow see some clear symptoms which we'll talk about in a few moments and we don't we don't make the association that this is, uh, symptom is associated with actually having a hormone a, a being imbalanced hormonally and that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this because as this shift happens when we are oblivious like in my case we just think it's normal when it isn't <laughs> there's things we can do so part where i'm hoping that and i and i love you for for embracing this topic leanne part of what we need to do is educate women on what they may be seeing which we can go into more depth and see what they can do for them to have the for me as a toolkit is the understanding that there is something i can do about a b c d that may be happening to me and these are the kind of conversations that i should with my physician okay and this is a, this is a disclaimer i'm going to make right now we're not recommending uh any of of your followers do absolutely everything that we're talking about here because everybody is unique but what a, what we are recommending exactly. is take some of the learnings and talk to your physicians you can, they can connect with me whatever they want to do but please 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 they need to just have that understanding that everyone is completely different when it comes to this uh these shifts yeah, it's not it's not a diagnosis. We're not diagnosing anyone in this in this podcast no, at all. But we're not. What, what, what we're merely doing is, is actually creating some more awareness around that these feelings that that we might be feeling are actually to do with our our bodies changing over time at a point where we're meant to be progressing in in our careers. Now, there was one thing that 
that kind of struck for me when you were talking about this is you've mentioned women in their mid to late thirties. I do fall into that category. And it's only been over the past few years where I've really started to notice trends in my productivity and my focus. And actually for me, it's very much around how can I work with that? Cause that's not going to change those, those days in that in, within my cycle are not changing. So actually yep. how can I harness my hormones to work for me and to get my cycle working better for, for my career? Um, yeah. So, so that this is what we're going to be talking about in terms of the toolbox that, that you're going to share with us and some of these toolkits to uh, these understandings and, and these conversations and, and actually these clear symptoms. So, you know, you, you talked about our bodies changing. Yes, they do. Um, what are some of these symptoms and how how can we be noticing these symptoms when they crop up in the workplace? Mm, okay, there's a couple of things there that I want to kind of unpack. Uh, number one, I think we'll just do a very, very simple, and it's not intended to be a biology class, but let's do a little bit of a, of a revision on, on women's cycles. Uh, why is this important? Is because we need to understand what is normal and what is not normal. Okay, because we go through our life and I'm going to give you an example. We go through our life imagining that what we're we're experiencing is normal when it may not be. So in my case, I have a chronic disease called endometriosis, which impacts 15 percent of women, which means my cycles when I have my uh, cycles, they are extremely painful. The, the pain in endometriosis can be horrific and it's it's recognized as a debilitating autoimmune condition. Now, I went through all my life thinking this is normal, okay? And that is where I want to actually uh, uh, kind of raise the awareness of what you may be experiencing if it's extreme, it's not expected to be normal. So if you've got extreme pains or if you've got extreme depression during your cycle, which very often we do, or if you go crazy on the binge eating, um, this is something that we need to be aware of. So let's go back to this, this review of the biological, of the, sorry, of the Menzies cycle, okay? So we've got a normally, normally women from day one, there's a 28 day cycle that we normally have. It could be a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, depending on women. The front part, the first 14 days, are known as the follicular phase. And that's the phase where uh, your body is preparing itself for, if you want to, um, have children. Estrogen is booming. Your body is at its strongest. And when you hit day 14, this is where, or around that period, it's the ovulation period where the egg drops. Okay, we don't know exactly when that is, but it is, tends to happen during during those for day 14 and day 15. And then if there is no egg, what your body does is produces another hormone. It reduces estrogen. It produces another hormone called progesterone, which starts flowing higher. Okay, which then prepares you. And this is when we're in the latter phase, the luteal phase of our cycle, which we then know prepares us for our menses. The latter phase is the one that's very much associated with things like depression, mood swings, binge eating, and then we talk about, like I mentioned, pain. Um, and, and so the reason why I bring it up is because if in any point, particularly that the latter phase, you are having extreme symptoms, 
you need to have conversations with either your gynecologist or an endocrinologist. Endocrinologist, by the way, are the hormone doctors. <laughs> I know it sounds like a horribly long Greek word, and I have the benefit of being half Greek, so I can say it. But we need to have these conversations. So why am I feeling such extreme symptoms? The other thing that we tend to do um, in the latter part of our phase, we tend to become what's called insulin resistant. And we'll talk about that in a few moments when it comes to later in life, which means that we tend to um, we seem to put on more weight. We seem to bloat. <laughs> and we, seem we to absolutely hold... do. Yeah. So I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. We all seem to do that. And it's our natural bodies, our, our ways, our body is saying to itself, I need to protect myself. I need to hold on to whatever um, insulin and whatever fat I have because I need to prepare myself for what's coming, which is your menses. OK, and then when you are in that menses, if you're feeling like extraordinary pain or if they last long or if you've got too much flow, and I'm sorry, I'm going into too much information here. This is where you also have to bring that up with your with your um, physicians, because they don't normally ask you these things. You know, they don't. My gynecologist has never asked me, how's your flow? Right. Only further down the line. When I hit this age of perimenopause, which we'll talk about in a few moments, is when we started having these very open conversations about that particular part of the of the of the cycle. So the reason why it's important is it nothing is normal. <laughs> Don't just accept. Have nothing and no one is normal <laughs> exactly exactly and I don't mean I don't mean it uh negatively it is the case that just what you because you perceive it to be as normal it may not be normal so it sounds confusing <laughs> but that's what my rea my uh reality has been where I just thought too much pain uh was okay it's it's this is how periods are intended to be well no they weren't in my case what was having I was having a flare-up of my my hormonal um, imbalance. And when I took the steps to fix it is when I realized, oh my God, the reality is so different. There's a real before and after moment for me. And that's one of the reasons I've become such a proponent of sharing of sharing the learning. How do you work with your employer at this point? When, you know, going all through this, if you're happy to share your story or perhaps some yeah, tips well, if listen, someone is feeling like that, how do you navigate I, work? I was very lucky. So when all I was very lucky because I had amazing bosses when I was working in corporates. OK, so I had amazingly empathetic men bosses, most of them were male, um, who I was able to say, look, can I work from home today because I'm just not feeling great? They didn't go into too much detail. They were just extremely empathetic. And I think because of that and also because I was highly productive, there was absolutely no issue. What happened, though, and this is why I want to kind of highlight this, this whole point around perimenopause and the, and the build up to menopause is perimenopause, which is the period before you get menopause and menopause is is actually defined as the 12 as 12 months without periods without menses okay any time before that it's perimenopause so it's the build-up to you becoming menopausal so that can be anything from age 35 in my case it started age 41 <laughs> because I could tell what happened with hindsight through to you know when that will happen hopefully in you know the next couple of years for me but the point of the of, of talking about perimenopause is because during that phase I was I already had my own business I was traveling the world 
um, training, doing leadership programs, um, uh, consulting. I had no idea what I needed to do in order to kind of optimize my body. And there were times where I tell you, I had to, you know, the, the British expression, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, keep calm and carry on, right? This is what I was trying to, I, I, I bit my lower lip and it was like, okay, I have to just bear this and somehow work through this. And it was not the right thing to do, but I had no idea what I could have been doing at, the, at that time. So um, I was lucky to have my own business, but I was then lucky that I was able to, how do I say this? When it got really bad, and this was just before uh, just before COVID, I somehow took the, 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 the bull by the horns and said, I've got to change something here because it doesn't seem right. And that's what got me into this journey of self-healing, if you like, which got me to where we are, we are today, which is the after <laughs> phase of the so, before that we're talking about. So I know hindsight's a wonderful thing. Mm. But if you could tell tell your former self kind of when you started notice these changes and when you started to notice that you kept going, you kept that drive, you wanted to keep going with your consultancy, you wanted to keep on working, you yep. wanted to maintain that leadership role. What would you tell your former self at that point in your life? You know, what advice would you now give that person? Listen, this is a fantastic question because it relates exactly to what I wish I had known, which is now what I actually um, preach, if you like. So I practice what I preach and I did what I preach <laughs> now. So number one is question everything. Number two is have these conversations. I was quite lucky. So this is during COVID. My anxiety, my sleeplessness, and these are symptoms now that we're going to talk about, right? Because you asked me, what are the symptoms? Very often, women have depression. In fact, women are twice as likely as men to be um, recommended antidepressants. Okay, when our depression could be linked to our hormonal imbalances. And also the other thing is with depressive symptoms, and there was a research that was done with 6,000 women, um, if depression was left untreated, there was a twofold increase in mild cognitive impairment uh, with dementia later in life, okay, for women. So depression is, a, is an issue that needs to be looked at. And I know that the Marketing Society has done a lot of work on mental health, yeah. um, but sometimes it isn't just enough to talk about it. It's it's We need to look at how do I balance out my hormones? And I'll talk about that in a few, um, in a few moments. So I had terrible depression, terrible anxiety, terrible sleeplessness. And this is the clincher, Leanne. I was not able to lose weight. I was trying diet after diet. I was trying every sort of supplement you can imagine. Burn, you know, the ones that theoretically burn everything off you. Nothing worked. Why? Because I was actually pre-diabetic in my mid-40s. So in my, what happens for women, and again, I have to say this, and I'm so sorry because I'm going, I'm really focusing here on, on women. Obviously, this is what we're talking about. But when we are at that perimenopausal phase, we tend to become what's called insulin resistance, which basically means where your blood sugars are high. I've got okay. an exciting few years ahead of me then. <laughs> hey, this is... Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm having this conversation now because you're prepared. Well, so... <laughs> well listen, if, if you're one of the many women who are trying to lose weight and can't, you have to look at, am I, okay, am I 
consuming too much food, have too much blood sugars, which, by the way, these are things that come up in your in your blood work. And what can I do about it? So I and, and it is not going up, by the way, it is not going to the gym twice a day, which is what I used to do. OK, because people say to you, oh, you need to exercise more. Right. I'm a, I'm a gym bunny. I used to go to the, the gym twice a day. I was doing the wrong type of exercise. When you're insulin resistant, you need to actually lower your cortisol, which is the, the stress hormone. And I know it's easy for us to say that in your mid 40s, lower your stress when you've got potentially children, you're at the top of your career, you have uh, aging parents or or responsibilities for caring for others, which is the sandwich generation. You know, it's easier said than done. But that's number one that actually worked in my favor is to lower as much as possible. And that means reducing the intake of food. And I know that's something that people would say, oh, my God, Christina, you just mean I have to crash diet. And I say, no, absolutely not. What we may need lifestyle, isn't it? It's about looking at things that are easy to do, which are things like uh, lifestyle changes, such as in my case, it was intermittent fasting, giving your body time for that insulin to lower so that you reduce your chances of becoming pre-diabetic and you are releasing all those toxins and extra uh, estrogens that we have in our bodies. Because there's something really important that is happening all over the world is because we have so many toxins in our life. And we're talking about makeup here. We're talking about plastics. We're talking about even this, the, the the man-made fabrics that we wear. They're called they're they're called endocrine disruptors. They're what's called xenoestrogens, so foreign estrogens. What they do is they wreak havoc with our hormones, and they, we actually become what's called estrogen dominant. And that's where, when we're going back to that perimenopausal phase, which is what I'm alluding to in terms of my personal learning, it was that I was going, I was off the chart in terms of having too much estrogen. So I had to lower it. And that's where things like not only intermittent fasting, but things like wearing um, natural fibers, not even wearing things like our nail varnish. Do you my know God, I love having my nails done, and I know. <laughs> I'm learning I something know. right now. And and I really, I didn't actually even consider the fact that hormones aren't just in you, and that you just educated me in terms of nail varnish, clothing, yeah, and it's that actually you're going to be absorbing additional hormones from other external. Yes, right. There's external, and there's also things like there are there are estrogens that are in things like in milk, in um, meat, and unfortunately, because they're used as part of the rearing process for uh, for animals, pesticides. So I'm not saying here it's all doom and gloom, but what I am saying is reduce your exposure to these types of toxins. And that was also made a big difference for me. So, for example, I reduced the amount because I so uh, endometriosis is is uh, autoimmune. I'm going to share a statistic with you. 82% of uh, autoimmune condition sufferers are women. Wow, that's yeah. a high percentage. Exactly. So we are more likely than men to get autoimmune conditions. And, I'm, and this is polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, lupus. These are all... Um, 
your body essentially attacking itself. So my body is attacking itself on a constant basis. So I needed to reduce these xenoestrogens. So I took the conscious decision, okay, I'm going to reduce the amount of whatever I can, right? And this is trial and error. This is not a case of Christina did this, go ahead and do it yourself. So I, I just, I read up and it was like, okay, I'm going to reduce milk. I'm going to reduce um, cheese. And I love cheese. I have to tell you, I'm a cheese fiend, but I have to <laughs> let it go. Oh my God. You give me a camembert. I eat it all. The whole thing. Me the too. Straight, straight and dip, <laughs> dip in the bread, straight in the camembert. Right. Okay. So I need to start cutting my cheese intake. Oh my God! This no, is no, my hey, hey, itself. Leanne, Leanne, this is not. This is what Christina did. This is not what Christina saying Leanne should do. This is what you. <laughs> it's all about. Let's be very careful. It's all about trial and error, and it's all about trying. It's what is helping me feel better because ultimately, and that's when when I when you asked me what should women uh, follow their what's the biggest action women can take to climb their career? It's follow their instinct and also listen. Listen to the, that's what following their instinct is, is listen to your body. If you're feeling pain, so another thing that's very common as we age, and I was the number one person at the gym to say, oh, I can't do this yoga pose because I've got sore knees. Um, inflammation in our bodies is a natural precursor to aging, but we can reduce it. And that's what autoimmune conditions do. They're actually excess inflammation in our body. So this is where going in and back thinking about, well, what am I eating that's not agreeing with me? And listen to what feels better. And I guess it's making those small changes to be able to identify what that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's those small changes. And I'm so sorry to say that, you know, look at your makeup, look at your, uh, the plastics, do not drink from plastic bottles, um, or actually use plastic. Yep. Uh, food containers put, don't ever use plastic to put in the microwave all these things because these are the things that disrupt us and the other very very big learning for me has been um, the fact that one of the areas that we're really not considering very much and we're never talking about is um, what's called your microbiome the microbiome is the, the friendly bacteria that you've got in your gut right we all have them um, we've got trillions of bacteria, more bacteria than we have anything else on our bodies. And they're just helping us digest food, essentially. Okay. And so what tends to happen is if as we age, unfortunately, <laughs> like, like fine wine, um, we not only become, uh, our microbiome tends to become less diverse, which means that because our microbiome help us in uh, in the way we digest our hormones, if we are imbalanced, it means we are more than likely to be hormonally imbalanced. So I would encourage any woman, which is I, I actually took this on like, uh, you know, religiously to take um, probiotics. Probiotics are essentially the things that help you um what do you call it, um, build a diversified uh, population inside you. So these are things like kefir, anything that is um, yogurt, things that you know have live cultures inside them. Those are very good for you. Normally you take these when you've taken antibiotics, right? After antibiotics, people say to you, take, have a yogurt, etc. So take a lot more of these and consider, of course, um, supplementation with things like prebiotics, which are the things that actually feed the microbiome, but also food that's very, very healthy. And I'll end on the healthy food. Just eat anything that's natural and comes that doesn't come out of a plastic 
bag, ideally, okay? And I know I'm being very idealistic because in certain parts of the world, everything is in a plastic bag, um, but also eat local. Because we're so easy and and, and uh, we've just been kind of uh, indoctrinated to eat anything that's available, you know, take away. And I've done that when I was in my in the, in the worst of my time and I was doing so many takeaways, so many of the foods that we know are not necessarily healthy for you. Well, that's that's a definite no, no. And I'm so sorry to kind of sound negative. No, but I think it's important, and it, I, I think that we underestimate as females. And I, over the last twenty minutes, I've certainly underestimated the amount of change that is going to come my way over the next ten years. Um, it might well; it's probably going to be the next five years, um, five to ten years. The amount of change that's going to happen, and and actually, it's already made me think I really need to start edging my educating myself a lot better on these changes that are going to happen. And that's not just a case of of me and those hormones it's a case of understanding where those how the external factors are going to play into that and mm. how the changes to eating locally um eating foods that aren't that have got no added hormones in and actually that extra consumption of hormones in other in other ways other than just the ones that are going that are playing havoc in my own body as it is anyway and um, it's very much having that self-awareness I think we're so self-aware especially the people that are into professional and personal development. We're so self-aware in other ways in terms of emotional intelligence, um, in terms of that, that self-awareness that you talked about, you know, the leadership, um, purpose-driven leadership earlier. But actually, I think that maybe the naivety is actually looking more internal. Well, I'm going to make a gender-based comment, and I know I'm going to be sounding very unpopular when I say this, because I work with thousands of women, thousands of women across the planet. Us women are very good, like you said, being emotionally intelligent, but with other people. What do I mean I by that? I, I agree with you straight away. We don't listen to ourselves and to our own instinct and to our bodies, which is why I kept I kept coming back to your fire, fire round questions that we've got to listen to our bodies. And let me give you some stats here. According to Forbes, women are diagnosed 2.5 years later than men for cancer, 4.5 years later than men um, for uh, diabetes, later than men in more than 700 diseases. So what tends to happen is twofold. Number one, women don't listen and look after their own bodies because they'll just, unfortunately. Well, we just got to get on with it, haven't we? We, we just get on. Going. Yeah, we just get exactly. on with it. Keep calm and carry on, just like I did. Like, like right? what you said, I did. You know, I did a fitness competition at the weekend. Pretty intense on my body. Sunday, the day after, well, I'm straight back in the gym because that's my routine. My legs are killing me. I'm aching. I'm tired. Nope, straight back in because that's yeah. my routine. Is that I do X class on a Sunday, regardless of what I did on the Saturday. And you know, if I, I should have really actually in hindsight, because I'm still aching now. But in hindsight, I should have listened to my body and and said, no, you're tired. Have an extra hour in bed. I should have, I should have listened to that instinct. And what's quite shocking is that that statistic of you know women are diagnosed with cancer 2.5 years later because we're not listening 
Um, well, there's that. Women. And there's also our symptoms are different to men. So this is the medical profession, which is why I go back to women being self-aware. If the medical yeah. profession is not necessarily set up for understanding women's physiology, because we're very complex, like everything, right? We're complex in every way, which makes us so beautiful and so, uh, I would say, so exquisite as a gender. But that also falls into the realm of medicine. So this is why we have to be aware and also educate our doctors. I actually went in for a doctor who said to me that because I had a cycle, I had to stop any because I am on HRT, on hormone replacement therapy. I would need to stop taking my progesterone because I'm estrogen dominant, as I mentioned earlier. And to me, that is, and I, and I was fuming when I left that doctor, that is medical negligence. Because if I had done that, I would have really messed up my body. Thankfully, I didn't listen to him. That's because I'm self-aware. And that's where we have to be very, very careful as women. And I have to say that that doctor was a man. I think I did mention it. Uh, if you are told one thing and it doesn't seem right, get a second opinion. Do not do something that doesn't feel natural. And, and I'm sorry to kind of put the onus on women, but unfortunately, that is that is the reality of, of this, uh, of 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 the medical profession. And with respect to doctors, they're wonderful people, but it's much more complex to research and medical studies on women than it is on men, which is why most studies tend to be done on male rats okay. and male mice rather than females because of our cycle, right? <laughs> <laughs> goes back to that book invisible women doesn't it have you have you read that book where, oh absolutely yeah. i love caroline she's amazing i think every single woman has to read particularly the health chapter because she's the one that highlights the data points that are that are shocking in terms of the symptoms that are different and what women need to kind of think about and i and i have no allegiance whatsoever but i i adore lisa Mosconi, who's a neuroscientist and because she has uh Alzheimer's and dementia running in her family, both her aunts and her mother um, have uh, developed Alzheimer's. She's been doing a lot of work with women and has written a great book around uh, how to optimize women's uh, health and their brains. And it's called The XX Brain. And she, for me, deserves to be put on a pedestal. I'd like to share some, some stats with you that um, have actually been shared from the U.S. And this is the actual cost to employers or, or the productivity losses associated with women going through these hormonal shifts, particularly around menopause. And it could be anything between $770 through to $6,400 per woman per year. That's huge. So this is having an impact on a bottom line of a business because absolutely a, because a business is not educated and aren't aware of these changes in women. Yeah. And so we have greater absenteeism. We have greater underlying issues that become chronic. So this is the point about it. And the, I really want to make this point and hope you don't mind because I've been talking for yonks. Um, when we're talking about this, when it comes in a corporation, all the all corporations are focused on diversity and inclusion is the conversation around the absence of discrimination so gender equality what this is highlighting what i'm talking about is the un sustainable development goal which is number 3 which is about gender equity and so we need as women 
because there has there is a recognition what's gender equity it's about the fairness and and, and i'm going to quote here from the world health organization it's fairness and uh, justice and distribution benefits power resources and responsibilities between men and women and it recognizes that men and women have different needs power and access to resources and that these can be identified and addressed in a manner that rectifies the imbalance between the sexes. So what this means is that we really need to consider um, how the differences in the access of these resources impact women's productivity in the workplace. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to share this with you because gender equity is critical as part of the UN Sustainable Development Goals and an important part of this is for women to actually be advocates for their own health, but and also encourage men to be part of this conversation too. I can agree with you more. And, and actually, uh, that's kind of sparked a question for me, because traditionally where we are, a lot of the senior leadership teams are, are male. Um, what advice would you give for a female, uh, maybe around to go into that, that phase, on well, how does she have that conversation? Well, male leadership team about these changes that are likely to happen. I love it. Do we need to put that? Do we need to put the ownership on the male to go and do the research? Where where does that whose I suppose responsibilities, but where does where does that lie? It's very interesting because let's all think about this. Every man either has a wife or a sister or a daughter. Right. So they will know someone who has or will be or has been going through these changes. But I know that we're talking exclusively about women. Men go through similar changes. And that is but it's more gradual for men. So from the age of 35, men lose one to two percent of their testosterone a year. So it's much more gradual than ours, which is, as I said to you, it's a peak. And then it goes kind of up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, as if you were kind of a a, a Richter, an eight eight Richter earthquake (laughs) when you know that you know that the um what do you call it the reader is just going crazy whereas with men it's a very gradual loss of testosterone but they have the same issues in the sense that loss of testosterone is also uh leads to depression um they also become east more estrogen dominant believe it or not so they this is why we have the uh, the, the the beer belly or the belly that kind of appears and uh, and and men get also in midlife they get their kind of what are they how would you call them um, let's call it more, more breasts <laughs> because they have upper body I don't know how just to to describe it in a way that is actually uh, yes. But you know what I mean. So it is they actually they actually go through physical changes that we all recognize. And, you know, let's think about middle aged men in Lycra, right? Mammal. (laughs) And what that image looks like. Oh, my gosh, Christina. (laughs) That's 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 a great example of how their body has shifted. That also impacts their productivity. So it's both genders go through this. It isn't just a woman thing. So So what, 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 what give us the advice? What advice would you give? Go and speak to your managers about the impact of this on both genders and how the company needs to improve productivity for both genders. It isn't just a woman's thing. And that's where I would say, I wish I had known that in the past. That's really good advice. That it's, and, and actually that reminder of, yes, females are going through this, this change, but also you know, males do also go through that hormone imbalance as well. And ultimately, lack of productivity is does have results on a business. So it is worth in, in businesses to, I guess, take that leap into 
educating themselves and their team to to actually understand the bi- biological effects on on their staff a lot mm. better than perhaps what what you know what they already have mm. done now, can, I, been, can, can I can add one more final thought because this is really important if let's all imagine we went to our IT department and we said to our CIO or CTO chief technology officer our computers are working at 70 percent what they'd would have the a meltdown. they'd have a meltdown exactly they'd say <laughs> get get new computers so this is exactly the same if you know if there's a so the productivity burden on any organization could be down 20 to 30 percent when there's work work uh, work related health losses so if you've got people who are working at 80 or 70 percent this has got to be fixed because that impacts the bottom line so that's the analogy i like to use is what would you have done with your laptops and your computer systems we need to do the same thing we need to optimize we need to get people to be on their peak performance as i call it irrespective of gender and that that peak performance piece does make a difference doesn't it absolutely now you've covered so much today and i'd love to keep this going um i really would this conversation is it's absolutely excellent there's been a lot that i've learned there's been a, it's an absolute minefield i don't know if it's if i've learned more or if it's just going to send, send me to ask more questions to myself um but there's been a lot of content and there's been a lot of technical side of things um if you could simplify in kind of three top tips that you could give to women what would those top well both genders what would those top three tips be yeah great that you highlighted both genders number one is look at their body is their physiology changing or are they feeling different if something is happening for example i'm feeling more depressed than i used to i'm i'm, I'm not losing weight i'm fe- i'm seeing a belly um i'm if something is shifting like that look into it so don't just ignore the symptoms and say oh age it's aging it's not it's it's normal no it's not normal you can deal with it uh the second thing um i would say and again i'm going to have to make this more more gender based for women keep on top i actually encourage women to have what i call their personal health dashboard keep on top of the key metrics when it comes to your hormones and that's also relevant for men so I'll take the, the point about it being gender specific so look at your testosterone estrogen progesterone progesterone levels so make sure your gynecologist because it's mostly the gynecologist that actually uh, does this type of blood work and and your insulin levels so fasting insulin fasting um glucose things like HA1C, which is your long-term use of uh, of glucose, and be on top of what is happening to your body. How are your hormones shifting? Just be aware. I don't want you to become paranoid. Um, one thing is very important when we're talking about productivity is sleep. And I, that, this is going to be my third. I know I haven't mentioned sleep until now, but if you're having disrupted sleep, you need to look into it, and you need to understand that if you do not sleep, your body doesn't heal. Your body does not, it isn't a nice to have. Some people say, I'll sleep when I die, right? <laughs> which is which was the very 80s and 90s kind of mindset. You know, I'll sleep when I die. No, no, no. You, the only way you're going to have a healthy and productive life is you have good sleep. So get yourself an aura ring. I have no allegiance to any of these organizations or any type of, uh, what do you call it, monitoring device that helps you monitor how well you're sleeping. But even things like I can't get sleep, I'm having midnight, which is in my case, I was waking up in the middle of the night, walking around the flat, no idea why, right? And it was complete 
imbalances. So watch and the sleep. Hormones. And it's the hormones. It's also, and it could be quite simple things like uh, supplementation, which I don't want to start opening that kind of worms now, but maybe next time. Um, but so these would be my three go-to strategies right now. Christina, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much for, for sharing all of this. You mentioned, you know, keep, keep on top, keep on top of these hormones. And now if if you didn't want to go and see, see a doctor, see a gynecologist, could you kind of, I guess, keep on track of those by using a tracking app, by tracking your mood, by tracking your emotions? Would that help in terms of a starting point for the people in maybe their early 30s, just before this phase is about to happen? Well, this is what's really interesting about this conversation, Leanne, uh, because all of these shifts are increasingly um, starting a lot earlier because of these genoestrogens that we we're talking about that I mentioned earlier. We're seeing there's a rise in infertility for women and there's a rise in all these autoimmune conditions at a younger, much younger age. So whilst it's nice to say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in my early 30s, I don't need to worry about it. It's best to be aware and start getting on top of what would be your baseline and start seeing the shifts as early as possible. So it's not about being paranoid. It's about just going and having these conversations. And yes, find a good uh, gynecologist. We've done research. And the first thing that we're told, can't find a good gynecologist that understands me or my hormones. And that's that's part, partly the problem. So we need to go to the gynecologist and drive that conversation and say, I want to be on top of this I and get yourself educated. You know, there's loads of content pro uh, creators on YouTube. There's loads of books, like I mentioned, Lisa Moscone. There's loads of expert resources out there. Um, just get on top of it. It isn't just a case of, oh, I'll leave it till I'm 50, which is what I am now. I wish I had known. That was my, you asked me, what would I, what would I advise? Become aware much earlier. Well, we do it for everything else in our lives, don't we? If we want to learn a new language, if we want to learn a new skill, if we want to advance um, with a new hobby or career, we sit there, we do the research, we learn about it. It just seems that we're actually neglecting ourselves with not understanding that the change that's that's going to, but it's the inevitable, right? It's going to happen. Yes, yes. Okay. Wonderful. Christina, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. I've really enjoyed the conversation and I've certainly... <laughs> I'm like my mind's blown I've certainly learned a lot to to take away from that and I hope that that everyone else has as well so thank you very thank much for your time and can I thank you for having me Leanne it's been great to have be on Think Equal thank you so much for what you're doing <laughs>